Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the La Piedra podcast. My name's Sean Woolley. I'm Managing Director of Cloud9 Spain, a real estate agent based in the Costa del Sol. With me, as always, I have my uh, my trusted partner, Mark Stucklin from Spanish Property Insight. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Good morning, Sean. Um, we are going to be talking today about politics. Now, you might think, what has that got to do with property? And it turns out it's got quite a lot to do with property. And um, what happens in the political scene often sways buyers and sellers thinking. Um, so we're going to be talking about what's happening politically here in Spain, particularly with regards to housing, and what is likely to happen, bearing in mind that we've now got a, a general election looming, uh, which was a little bit unexpected. And then we're going to be sort of looking at that and how that translates to, to feet on the ground, whether it's putting people off. There's a few figures that have come out recently suggesting that uh, the amount of buyers in the market is down, particularly in certain areas of, of Spain and the islands. So we'll be looking at that and wondering if there's anything to do with the, the political um, scene here, whether that is influencing potential buyers. So, Mark, why don't we kick off with the, the politics? Would you mind giving our listeners and our viewers, just an overview of what's been happening politically, because you're, you're I'm, I'm guessing you're probably far more able to do that than I am. Yes, well, I mean, it's certainly something I follow. Um, I follow Spanish politics from the perspective of how it uh, impacts and the, the risks and implications for the housing market. I mean, I also follow, because I live in Spain, I pay taxes in Spain, I've got children in Spain, so I follow politics more generally, but I'm very focused uh, on the on the housing politics, the politics of housing. Mm. And it turns out that not just in Spain, but pretty much everywhere, you know, the politics, housing is getting more political. And um, so without wanting to get into any, uh, we're not going to talk about the politics, whether the merits of any side of the, the, the um, not picking sides, just pointing out and trying to help people understand what I would call the political risk, because when you buy property in any country, even your own, but especially when you're buying overseas or abroad, there is always an implicit political risk. To give you an example, anyone who bought in, let's say, bought a house in Cuba just before the uh, 50 revolution in 59, as many people did, there were many, it was a free market and you could buy property in Cuba if, uh, and, and then, of course, along came Fidel Castro, and before long, all property had been nationalized. So that would have been a total loss, a complete loss of that investment. So just, just to point out, to highlight that there are uh, political risks, and, and there, as there have been also in Venezuela, where a lot of private property has been co confiscated, as happened in Zimbabwe. In Argentina, it's it's not, in, in a, to say you could call it a political risk, but I know that I've heard, I've, I know of cases that where people have just had their, property stolen by people falsifying notarized documents and, and deeds and stuff. So, you know, the, the state doesn't protect your property rights very, very well in many parts of the world. And that's a political risk because it's, mm. it's the state that's supposed to, if there are such a thing, if private property is recognized in a state, it's the state that actually is the one that's supposed to protect those property rights because otherwise you have to, you know, get yourself a gun <laughs> nobody wants that so so there is a an always an implicit political risk when investing in property especially also it's a, it's a big ticket item you know you buy a house in the forest it's not 
for most people, it's one of the biggest investments in their in their lives. It's you know, it's not like buying even a car or a sofa; those are all big tickets. But there's nothing like for most people, it's the how it's housing that is and property that's the biggest investment they'll ever make. One of the biggest investments. So, bearing in mind that the there's a and and the political risk is get like I said a little bit earlier, the housing is getting more political in Spain. Uh, more of a kind of hot potato as it is, I think, in I've been watching this. I've also kind of followed this to in, in the UK. And of course, when when demand goes up and the supply doesn't go up, then you get this situation of prices rise or people or um, demand is left unsatisfied. People can't find what they you know, they're not finding the housing that they need. And that's now particularly a problem in some parts of Spain, like, for example, Barcelona, and like the Balearics, where there's much more demand than there is supply, which creates a problem. And with problem comes disaffection. And then the politicians are never far behind that, looking for ways and to appeal to those disaffected voters or, or, and, and with their different policies for how to solve what is actually a real problem. For example, in Barcelona, that just, you know, you can't find house there's many people that can't afford the housing there is and um and then policies are introduced to try and to in theory to address that problem but sometimes they make the problem worse but that, sure, that's another sure in, in in terms of what we've got at the moment in spain just in sort of setting the scene politically we've got two mm-hmm. main parties haven't we which effectively are left of center and right of center and then there's a load, actually, a lot of other political parties, but small ones that kind of hang on the coattails of these major parties and um, help them to form a coalition if they don't have an overall majority. And I think it's fair to say at the moment we have a socialist government in in, in place, um, but they can't get through, I think, what they want to get through in Parliament, which is why they've they've. You know, after the local elections, they they came out and decided that they would spring on us a uh, a general election, which is due to take place in July. Is that a fair summary of of what's happening? Yeah, yeah, more or less. I mean, there used to be the Spain used to be a like a, a bi-party system. There was just the cent. There was the, the government alternated between a centre right and a centre left. Uh, the, the, the socialists, the centre left, and the Partido Popular, so the Popular Party on the centre right, and they tended to have an overall, an absolute majority. And now that is not the case. Now neither of those two parties uh, has much chance of, of a absolute majority. So they have to. So we have coalitions government. So right now we have a coalition government, which is the the bigger part as uh, party of the socialists, with a junior party coalition partner being the called Podemos, which means Unidas Podemos, which is united we can, um, but they're not very, very united, but anyway, um, they have, uh, and in the local, so, and curiously, so just to bring back to, to you know, the how housing has become very political, and just before the local elections of Sunday before last, on the Friday before the, sun, the elections, the last working day, the government uh, passed or had passed, but it came into law uh, a housing law, which they say is the first housing law that Spain's had. And they made a this was there was a lot of attention given to it. It was sort of the headlines, dominated the headlines leading up to the local elections. And as I said, passed into law the Friday before the elections. You have to assume they did this to woo voters. I mean, they wouldn't have done gone to all this effort if it hadn't been in to be appealing to voters. But as it happened, the local and regional elections was a disaster for the ruling coalition in Madrid, the socialists saw quite a dip in support and the Podemos party got really quite hammered and sort of basically wiped out in most parts of Spain. And so you have to say, you have to think that, well, 
whatever its other merits, the housing law didn't achieve the objective of wooing voters. And so, and, that, and then, and the Prime Minister, the Spanish Prime Minister, decided to call a snap election, well, bring forward a premature general election uh, for 23rd of July rather than December. And he obviously calculated that it was better for his party uh, to have an election immediately, as soon as possible, rather than wait until the uh, end of the year. And to some extent, the housing law played a role in this. I mean, at the very least, it didn't woo voters in the way it was supposed to. And, and why do you think it didn't do its job? Why do you think it didn't work for them? Because I'm, I'm guessing, obviously, I, I know a little bit about it because we, we need to know about it. It's um, a, a typical... You know, from a socialist government, it's what you would expect, isn't it? That it very much protects the underdog. It protects the, like, there's a lot of talk about the rental market. So it was engineered to protect uh, tenants in the main. Um, but why do you think it didn't, it didn't work for them? Well, maybe it, to a certain extent, it might not have cut through because it was really, it had just been introduced. But, they, but it got, I would say, it was the, the legislation that got the most attention in the run-up to the... Uh, local elections. There were a few others that were introduced that they tended to be introduced by the Podemos side of this coalition. Um, and they haven't generated uh, what you could call, you know, universally good press for the, for the government. So, so, but why did, I think, you know, the, the housing law, it introduces rent controls uh, countrywide, not, it, it relies on local governments and regional governments to s create what they called strained markets and to do a bunch of things in which in uh, in order to introduce rent controls and most mm -hmm. regional governments who are now in the hands of the the other side have said they're not going to do that and even uh, socialist controlled regions have said they're not going to induce rent controls introduce rent controls because they think they're counterproductive and will make the situation worse and they would rather focus their efforts on increasing the supply of affordable housing and social housing so um that you know and then there was a lot of talk about how it got a lot of coverage that, that it was uh, it's, it's quite favorable to let's say squatters i mean it, to people who the, the, the landlords and owners can't get people out whether they're squatters or people or tenants who aren't paying the rent or for whatever there's a bunch of different clause reasons why but it's getting increasingly difficult if you own a property and someone, for example, as squatters, it's, they're, they're, they're more protected under this law than they were before. So it makes it difficult to get them out, with increases the costs and the risks. And, and it, this kind of thing was also part of, the, part of the story. So, but for whatever reason, the housing law didn't do, any, didn't do the government any favours being brought out just before the election. It didn't seem to help them in any way. And that means we now have a general election in July. And that will maybe change, mean that we have a new a new government uh, from the centre-right with their coalition partners, if they can't make a, a co if they can't get an absolute majority, which doesn't look likely, not out of the question, but it doesn't look likely, then they'll have to do a coalition with the further right, just like this government has done a coalition with the further left. And of course, that has all sorts of implications. But in terms of the political risk, you know, what is that? That's like that you lose your property rights or property rights are curtailed and that costs go up which is the taxes uh, and also that market liquidity goes down because if something happens like, like as we were talking before in Catalonia, there was a lot of uh, trouble uh, and disruption about the question of the Catalan unilaterally declared independence and the process to, the, to try and achieve unilaterally a kind of declaration of independence from Spain, which led nowhere, but it did, did put off a lot of 
investors, certainly for a year or two. And that means that people who that, that reduces buyers in the in the market and that means reduced liquidity, which is a is a risk for yeah. people who people who needed to sell in that period didn't sell well at all. Let's say that. Put it that way. I think it's like any any market, isn't it? People don't like uncertainty. They like stability. Mm, hate it. Yeah. yeah. So, so when the Catalan thing started kicking off, I mean, we had we had clients talking about it as well, saying, "Oh no, I'm I'm going to leave uh, leave Catalonia well alone at the moment." And yeah. people just don't like the uncertainty of, of what's going on. What What do you think? I mean, people are saying that, like you said, that the the um, the centre right party is likely, no guarantees, mm-hmm. of course, is likely to win the the general election, probably in coalition, as you said, with. Parties further to the right, which obviously mm-hmm. um... and regional parties. I mean, it's, yes. it's like they have to stitch together. They may have to stitch together a bit of a kind of a, a coalition, a patchwork coalition, yeah. just like. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But yes, carry on. Sorry what, what, what can what can we expect from that sort of government? I mean, obviously, we've had a, a period now in Spain of a, of a socialist uh, center left government, which you feel has been influenced because they're in a coalition that they've been influenced more by the, the, the far left parties. Now it looks like we're going into a, an era in Spain where we're going back to a, a right wing coalition. What, what do you think we can expect from that in terms of the housing market, in terms of I mean, do you think it will just stabilized because they're not going to be introducing all these new new initiatives hmm well from what i can tell you know the one thing they've made clear that part of the the, the popular party have said that they will they will repeal this housing law and mm. scrap it whether they do or not i mean i always remember that the the popular party in their i don't know 15 years or however the decade that they were in power up to 2007 i think under jose maria Aznar, they did nothing. The, the squat, the squatter laws are still there. I mean, they didn't, mm. they didn't do anything really, and they did a lot of st- a lot of damage in with laws in different regions. That was part, also part of the time of the sort of speculative housing bubble that that led to, to uh, incredible damage to the Spanish society, economy, and housing market, and that happened to a certain extent under their watch. So they haven't. It's not like they've been always in power. They've got a great record, and and then. But neither is the other side. I mean, sadly, but I mean, neither is the UK government got a very good record on housing. So, you know, where do we look for good housing policy that actually increases, you know, the supply of homes in all segments and especially in the segment of people who can who need affordable housing, you know, for key workers and that sort of thing. Like in Barcelona, you want you need the people who 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 do jobs that the lowest paid jobs that this, you need them to be able to even if you're sitting in a large kind of mansion in Pedralbes, you need people key workers to come in and keep the city uh, run and keep it clean and keep your houses clean this absolutely always critical it's nobody's interest that, that you know you need a good housing policy to make sure that all kind of that everyone's uh, taking that, that it takes account of everyone's in, interests and, and needs and i don't I'm not sure where there's a good, good example of a um, country where they have actually very sensible, you know, there's always trade-offs and this is something that you don't, people, politicians don't want to talk about the trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. Nobody, nobody, or not everyone's aware of it, but there's like on balance, you can have a good housing policy or, or an unhelpful housing policy. I don't know which country I would point to to say, look, they really do it well because. I, th- you know, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a problem. I mean, we're not, we're not building any more land. Uh, but mm-hmm. we're crea- creating lots more people who are living longer. So it's always, I think it's going to be a problem wherever you are in the world. And just mm-hmm. to touch, touch back to 
obviously the case, as you mentioned at the start, they're not basket case countries, but as close as you can get places like mm-hmm. Cuba, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, uh, mm-hmm. which are, you know, have gone through periods of, of lawlessness and then then dictatorship. Mm-hmm. I mean, Spain is is obviously heavily regulated. It's part of the EU. So mm-hmm. although there are, are always going to be political changes and, and different policies from different governments, I guess in terms of its stability as a as a, a place to invest money for housing, I guess it it ticks a lot of boxes because of those those constraints that it has to work under being part of a, a bigger entity like the EU. Would you agree with that? Well, being part of the EU is very much a, you know, property rights are guaranteed. They would be illegal to do any of the things that the countries like, you know, uh, and the things that have happened in other, in countries outside the EU, like, you know, Venezuela or Cuba. You, that, that's, it's, the political risk actually in Spain is, is very, very low. There, but there is a chance that um, under one type of government, you will have higher taxes and higher costs and uh, reduced and and limitations, more limitations on what you can actually do with your, can you rent it out to tourists or not? You know, that those are kind of, there's a parameters in which the politi- local politicians can work whilst, whilst respecting the overall EU guarantee of private property rights. So, but really on balance, you know, Spain is a very, very low risk uh, mm-hmm. property political risk, but there is some, and it can be like in Catalonia, there was a problem for a period. And right now with the housing law, and and in, in bus and in uh, the Balearics, which we'll get to in in a second, political risk. So politicians and the messages they're sending, and the cost at which just reduces demand in certain segments, which makes it difficult for you if you're. It makes it great to be a buyer. You've got greater um, bargaining position, but thinking further out, one day you also might be a seller. You just have to bear this in mind. But let, on balance, it's a very very low political risk. But I'd be curious. But it's interesting to know about this, and I'd be curious to ask you. Do people ever, you know, because I don't deal with people who want to, who are actually looking to buy in Spain on a one-to-one basis. Do, in, in your line of work, like, you know, in the market, but what, to what extent do you think people know about the political situation or are they interested or do they just take it for granted that it's safe? I, I think, yeah, I think they do take it for granted. I, a few of them may ask in conversation, but it's not normally mm. top of the list. What people want to know is what are their, what are their buying costs going to be? What are the taxes and mm-hmm. when, we, when we say, look, you know, now in Andalusia, we have a transfer tax that's fixed at 7%. It used to be 8, 9, 10. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, I'm sure if they introduced a higher transfer tax, people would just take it on the chin and say, oh, okay. You know, because I think people are, you know, where, up, where to, a up, up to, to a point. Up to a point. Up to there a comes point. a point, there's a line. And I think <laughs> yeah. they crossed it in the Balearics. Right, okay. Because what we tend to find is, I think the people that are buying with us also have rules and regulations in their home countries. I mean, for instance, mm, sure. well, I, I used to invest in the UK property market and I stopped doing so because the Conservative government who were just about clinging to power in the UK, they actually introduced mm. a lot of controls to stop overseas investors uh, buying uh, mm-hmm. and also to prevent the, the market just falling into the hands of, of, of uh, buy-to-let investors. So if, you're mm-hmm. a, if you were a buy-to-let investor from overseas, my goodness, you were hammered on, on stamp duty up to, I think, 8 9%, mm-hmm. which, you know, when it's traditionally been much, much lower than that for first home buyers, it, it becomes onerous. And, and, a, and it worked because a lot of the buyers who were, you know, all over the London market, for instance, they, they, pulled, they pulled away, those, those overseas mm-hmm. buyers, albeit they've now diverted their attention to the, the provinces. So places like Birmingham, Leeds, Manchester are now um, full of overseas investors because the prices are lower, so the taxes aren't as high. But still... And I think, you know, I think people are used to that. I think people are used to just different things 
being brought into play to to stop things overheating in certain areas. So I think I think most of the clients that we get are pretty savvy about that. Of course, like you said, there comes a point at which people, you know, find it unpalatable. They just can't can't go there financially because they feel they're being ripped off. And that's always going to be the case when it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. But I think most of our clients, they're, they're, they're probably not investor clients. They're buying for a lifestyle. They're buying for a, a reason that it's normally to improve the quality of their lives. And so the, the taxes and the political environment does come, does come a second, uh, second thing, really. They, as I say, some clients will ask it, but normally they're the clients that we've spent a lot of time with and we're just discussing things and chewing the fat. Then they'll bring it up, you know, like what's happening with the politics here. I mean, a lot of people just don't need to know, don't want to know. It's just another stress mm. that they could that they could do without. I mean, I, I follow the politics in the UK probably more closely than I do politics in Spain, which is mm-hmm. crazy because like you said at the start, I pay my taxes to Spain and I, I need to, I should be far more aware of what's happening with my money and what mm-hmm. they're doing with it. But mm. yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's maybe it's mm. just me sort of burying my head in the sand a little bit. But clients tend not to not to be too concerned. Yeah, I've always got the impression that a lot of people, especially on the expat market, they, they kind of like living in Spain because they don't follow the local politics really, and mm. and it's a, and they're far away from home politics, and it's all it's sort of you know uh, yeah. stresses, and so it's a bit of a you know you can. You can you can leave home politics out and yeah. and and you don't it's apolitical you're not in, involved in politics so it's that's one true. good thing I guess yeah um, absolutely I think it sounds like people just they know that you know the political risk is very small and and then the the, the taxes well uh, no one everyone accepts you know a tax especially a seven percent tax rate which is what you now have as a, mm-hmm. as a fixed rate in in Andalusia down from what was it ten percent or yeah there was a tiered system wasn't there I think it was eight nine ten depending on the, okay. the, the 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 brackets at which you invested right I think I think also the other thing that people have got used to is uh, an age I... of, of of populism you know where you've got people like Trump and Johnson and people like that uh, in control of of uh, governments. And I think people have got used to things changing on a on a weekly basis and lots of ups and downs. So mm-hmm. I think Spain probably looks fairly stable. No one's shocked anymore. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Yes, hey, no, I mean, absolutely. And I think that's, that's because of yeah. the way we absorb our news now. We get to hear about things even as they're happening. And, you know, yeah. at, at the end of the day, you know, oh, five more people shot. Oh, interest rates have gone yeah. up. People yeah. uh, absorb news in a different way. And I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any surprises anymore, are there, for people? Yeah, no, absolutely. So it sounds like, you know, so I guess what we could say is polit- politics is get- housing is getting more of a sort of hot political potato in many places, mm-hmm. and Spain as well. Yep. And there is a, uh, the present government, which looks like it's on its way out, has done to introduce some laws and regulations which might not, which were quite restrictive and high, high tax and more restrictive. And arguably not great for um not not a a reason so like on the on the negative side of the the kind of the equation that you look at when considering where to invest but there it might be that there's a fairly good chance well we have to wait and see what happens in july but there's a fairly good chance there'll be a different philosophy towards more liberal and more uh, deregulation and lower tax on the housing front and that would of course it wouldn't solve the the acute housing access problem in some areas 
but there's large swathes. Most of Spain, there's absolutely no housing problem at all. It's actually mm. the opposite. It's like they can't find people to live in because they've yeah. built a lot of housing, and also the the, the interior is depopulating, and they built a lot of housing in the boom that in the wrong place. So Spain doesn't have, in aggregate, a housing problem. It has a second has areas that have the problem, right. but those are areas that are politically important, like the like Barcelona, and Madrid. It's, it's interesting because I know that the, um, the Marbella Town Hall, for instance, which is, is ruled by the, uh, the right-wing um, side mm. of the government, they are anxiously hoping that mm. the central government also falls that way as well because mm. we've been trying in Marbella to get this, this town hall plan verified and it's taken years, decades, yeah. to, to get it done. And every time, we, every time they try and do something, it keeps getting knocked back. And it's because yeah. there's obviously the, the town hall in Marbella, then there's the Junta de Andalusia, which is the regional yeah. government, then the central government. So yeah. to have everything aligned... Would it help? It would certainly help just to get Marbella back on the move again, because although there's a lot of new builds here in the Costa del Sol, if you actually look at the percentage that are built in Marbella, it's very small because they, yeah. they just can't get the licenses through the system because of all these issues from way well, back. Well, has been frozen for... Mm. Uh, since eight, since two thousand and eight, or so, we went till the between when the hill and that kind of era came to an yeah. end, and the rocker, and then it and then it turned out there'd been all sorts of corruption and all sorts of problems, and it's just been frozen ever since, if I'm, mm. if, if mm. I understand. It's been very difficult to do anything in Marbella, mm. which has created an artificial restriction on mm. on on new building and renovation and all, you know, on ha- town planning. Yeah, and but if you if you clear, see it clearly, I mean, apart from the fact that Marbella is a one of the it's like flame, Spain's, I would say, flagship holiday resort. It's the most famous. It's the most mm. glitzy. Uh, for better or for worse, it's got that kind of you know up, various well, upmarket reputation, and and in some respects maybe this sort of control, this down period or this frozen period has been good to just let consolidate the place. It hasn't you know get not allow it to kind of carry on growing and building, but. Yeah. It's, if you look at the numbers in terms of prices and rental prices and demand, Marbella's just going up and up and up. And it's now, oh, no. I think it's almost on a par with or has beaten Ibiza as I probably yeah. the most in demand and expensive place in Spain. It, it's interesting because obviously there's a lack of new stock, which is fueling the, the surge in prices on the resale market. But what it's also done, that, that strangulation of, the, of the, uh, the new build Marbella market, is it's actually helped the neighboring municipalities like Benavis and Estepona Mm-hmm. Um, who have who have now who are now almost considered alike, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. they, they have that Marbella effect. And now people, when they talk about Marbella, they they talk about pretty much everywhere, from mm-hmm. pretty much from Malaga down to Sotogrande Grande is, is classified mm-hmm. as Marbella. So it's it's helped those those neighbouring areas. Mark, mm-hmm. you mentioned you mentioned that um, some stats that have come out. I think was it for April's sales figures? Uh, no, first quarter. First, first quarter. quarter. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what what were the what were the headline figures from from that? Well, this is the registrar's figures, and I was we're talking about foreign demand, so for sales, uh, house sales involving a foreign buyer in mm-hmm. the first quarter, and it was I was really look, interested to see what what might happen because last year was an absolutely cracking year for foreign demand for property in Spain, and I and it was we've talked about it in this past like what was driving that boom and what but I was expecting everyone I was expecting to see a quite a dip in demand in the in the, in this year you know like the boom's over cooling down and um in the first quarter actually compared to the first quarter of the previous I mean, overall demand did fall mm. but foreign demand was eight percent up 
Hmm. So, so the foreign appetite, one way or another, still, uh, I think it's cooling down. It's like the rate of growth is a, was a lot cooler, but it's still not, you know, I mean, eight percent hmm. higher than last than the than a record year, record quarter in the in two thousand. No sign of like a real cool down. No, and um, and so, but. But that's overall, whereas in the, but the Balearics was 31% down. I mean, right out there on its own with a major decline in foreign demand. And Andalusia was down 9%, whereas mm. the Valentian region was up, Catalonia was up, Madrid was up, everyone nationally was up 8%. But in the Andalusia and, and the Balearics, there was a bit of a decline. So I what's, wondered what what's, you... What's happened in the Balearics then? I mean, what's, what, what's the reason? Well, um, so this is... Foreign demand, so we're not talking about the overall demand, but just specifically foreign demand. Well, the Balearics has put the price up of, um, you know, who buys in Balearics? It's a very upmarket area. It's very dominated by the German speakers. And um, it's got, it's had a, a, a regional government, which is very, a coalition between the socialists and, the, and Podemos, this far left party, and also some regionalist or territorialist parties who are far left, but also kind of, don't like, you know, anti the rest of the world, or they just want to protect the interests of, the, of, the, of their own locals against and see outsiders as a problem in, right. in some areas. And so, um, I call Mes Mallorca, Mes um, Menorca. So they're sort of, uh, I mean, they're not kind of nationalists, but they are kind of nationalists, but for their island. Mm. And they, um, they produced, a, they've been, beating a drum of how they've been asking for permission and making a big making a lot of noise about trying to exclude foreigners from the housing market because they blame foreign buyers for high housing costs because it's uh, their islands they have a problem with the land there's not enough land and and planning permission and all sorts of things makes housing very expensive it's it's more expensive to build up housing on islands because you've got to mm. ship over all the materials and stuff there's loads of structural reasons why housing in the valley is more expensive than in in other areas and they're also very attractive beautiful area a lot attracts lots of people buying but tenderly buying villas in uh, on the coast mm. and the problem with housing access is in palma and ibiza and like they need more social and affordable housing so they're kind of different segments there is some crossover but anyway the balearic have gone the easy route just accused foreigners for, for the for the high cost of housing and asking to try and exclude them get to have uh, laws and the power to exclude foreign buyers and i think that kind of it gets through and the message is you're not welcome uh, coupled with very high taxes well yeah. good because it's now 13 percent when you buy a villa and if you buy a property in the balearics above two million you're paying 13 percent you down in lucia are paying seven percent right that's a big jump isn't it? I, double. I think you're right i think that that does um you know you can you can sense that you're not wanted uh, as a yeah. as an as an overseas investor, it's like me buying in London. You know, once they start hiking it to a point where it becomes unpalatable, you just think, yeah. well, they don't want me there. So yeah, it's too, too and it's not the only option. They no. have other options. Yeah, you know? they could yeah. people who could buy in the Balearics could come down to Marbella, where yeah. they're very welcome and they pay yeah. uh, almost uh, half the the tax. So it's not surprising. That's those are reasons I think that. You know that's why. But why do you think in the in the Andalusia? I'm I'm not sure. I think uh, as I said on another 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 um, podcast the other day, I think there's a few headwinds coming our way, um, which mm. have been there for the last year or so in terms of cost of living crisis, in terms of inflation increasing, interest rates increasing. So there's this, a lot of things, a lot of reasons, a lot mm -hmm. of objections that clients will say, "Oh, I'll just leave it for the moment." And I think the only reason maybe that figure isn't isn't worse for Andalusia is the fact that. 
so many people still want to be here. They've, they've marketed it as the California of Europe. We're getting clients from all over the world. So, for instance, you mentioned the, 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 um, the, the Balearics tends to be quite German-dominated. The Costa mm -hmm. del Sol used to be, 20 years ago, very Brit-Irish-dominated. Now it's kind of a potpourri of mm -hmm. <laughs> all the all the Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that the, the reason that, that figure isn't lower is just because there's so many people who, who still want to make the move, who still want to buy a piece of the place because you know, they want a better lifestyle for their, themselves and their loved ones. Uh, they mm -hmm. want to live in the sunshine. They want to put their kids in a safe school rather than somewhere in the States. And I think those reasons are, are winning over the headwinds, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the headwinds mm -hmm. are still there. But I think what may have happened in the Balearics, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but obviously because the average price per sale is, is so much higher than probably anywhere else in Spain, I, I think maybe a lot of those clients, because obviously those clients aren't the mass market, there's no. enough of them, but they're, they're obviously further up the, up the funnel. And I mm -hmm. think that a lot of those clients were satisfied in 2021, 2022. You know, they mm -hmm. were the people that came out of COVID probably wanting a change of life, a change of pace, were able to afford it. And probably maybe they bought their properties then. And that's why it's just cooled off a little bit because that, that sector of the market has now been satisfied. I'm sure there'll be a new wave of money and, and stuff like that, but maybe we're just having a in the Balearics. A but yeah, pause. I, yeah, I, th well, I, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's just a, quite erratically different to the rest of the story and the rest of the... the maybe it's because they, you know, su such a, it's such a German speaking dominated market and maybe the situation in germany the economy in germany which is struggling you know, has its, everyone's got their own problems but i've been i kind of heard that i've got the impression that the german economy is going into recession problems with the overall economic model maybe they're just those buyers are saying well let's wait and see what happens and so it's nothing yeah. to do with the balearics you know maybe it, maybe you're right because i think any market that's reliant on one buyer market is is always going to have a, 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 an issue when that one buyer market stops buying um, yeah. because you know who else you pull in and I think that's the problem yeah. with the Balearics. I think as I say, the difference with other areas of Spain like the Costa Blanca, Costa del Sol is that they've got a truly international client base and, and we're lucky to have that. And I don't know if that's due to the marketing efforts of the regional tourist boards or whether it's just that you know word of mouth and people have got to hear about these places and. You know, but we've got clients this week from Australia, from South Africa, from the States, from England, from Ireland, you know, and that's you know a host of. So other we're in we're in well. we're in June. How do you see this year so far? I mean, we'll soon we'll end of July will be the first half closed. How are you seeing it going? You're not, I mean, in, and not just in your actual office, but in yeah. you know other talking to other agents. It, it, just to wrap up, do you see it yeah. still still busy and or you know the same as last year, booming, busy? I mean, how would you describe it? Well, our, our busiest year was 2021, so it was that immediate post-COVID thing, which I think was was expected. Well, not expected, but I think looking back, it was it, it kind of makes sense. Last year was slightly off that, but still very strong. This year, we thought it might be slightly off that again. And actually, our figures to date, if we extrapolate those over the course of the whole year, would actually be almost directly comparable to 2021, our strongest year. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is that it, it feels like harder work. Mm -hmm. And I think, that's, I think that's because of those headwinds. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who needs that? Uh, but I, I think it's due yeah. to the fact that there are those... Yeah, economic and geopolitical headwinds and you know also there's a lot of agents operating on the Costa del Sol certainly at the moment so everyone's yeah. after a piece of the market so it's making it a little bit you've got to run a bit yeah. faster uh, and harder to keep keep ahead but you know 
all those geopolitical things as well, they open up opportunities. So where there's distress, for instance, in Ukraine at the moment, which is hideous what's going on, but mm -hmm. neighboring countries like Poland, mm -hmm. there's been a glut of Polish buyers on the Costa del Sol because people are looking at getting their money out of Eastern Europe just in mm -hmm. case. So, you know, whilst it's awful, it does present opportunity for, for, for other people. I think mm -hmm. what we're seeing, I think I expect the middle of this year, so the next, you know, quarter two, quarter three, um, mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see uh, more Americans in the market again, like there was last year. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they tend to wait for the, the holiday season because they, they obviously come here for more for longer than a weekend, so they need more time. And the, you know, the summer normally presents them with that time. I think the, the tailwinds are mm -hmm. um, overpowering the headwinds at the moment. Now, that can all, all change, as we know. Mm -hmm. you know somebody mm -hmm. makes an announcement in Brussels or London or somewhere, and all of a sudden people get spooked. But yeah. I, think, I think there's still that big kind of people want to change their lifestyles and people want what's best for them and their loved ones. And people are now thinking, do you know what? What if there's a, a problem in the world? I would rather be in a place where the sun shines for 320 mm -hmm. days. My kids are safe. They go to a nice school. I can, you know, I can go to a, a marina. I can go and play golf. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a really strong draw at the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, whilst that continues and whilst the sun continues to shine, mm -hmm. I, I can't see it. I can see little dips in the market here and there, little slowdowns mm. as you always get. But I think generally, I think the the uh, the trend is upwards and and mm. busy. Yes, now I read a paper in uh, an article. I can't remember; it might have been the Times or one of the British papers about how there was a buyers from the San Francisco were flooding to into into London. And I I think you know I think they also appeal. The cost of solid appeals a lot to people who are trying to get out of California. Mm. Uh, and over to Europe because it's got that kind of similar climate, and mm. so and there's a bit of a, like you know, a lot of the things going on in Malaga with the Amazon and Google. I mean, you know, San Francisco. That do you remember that film Escape from New York? It sounds a bit like escape. Things of nowadays, it's Escape from San Francisco with the it's places weird, isn't it? going down the tubes. And but the, the Costa del Sol and Marbella and that area would be a perfect place for the people looking for a European getaway. Definitely, um, definitely. To suit them because London itself, London, San Francisco, I don't, I don't see the, you know, I don't see the appeal, but, but Marbella or Malaga for that kind of West Coast uh, lifestyle, yeah. you can see it making sense. Definitely. I mean, there's nowhere else in Europe really that offers that yeah. because obviously we're so much further south than traditional, traditional competitors like Saint-Tropez and places like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, we and we, also with lo lower political risk than, yes. than California, where it sounds like they they might actually the political risk for, for, for property investment might be higher in California than it is in Spain. Wouldn't be surprised well, if it was. I haven't done a direct comparison. Well, the conversations we have with our American clients, you know, they're they're just not happy with the way it's going in the states, and they're they're fearful. They're fearful about the politics of the place. And they're mm. fearful about the safety of their children. They seem to be the two main drivers. You know, so I think they see Europe as a safe haven, a mm. place that can be explored relatively easily from a cultural mm. point of view and a tourist point of view, and um, somewhere that they can enjoy a great lifestyle and climate. Yeah, which is... Well, we'll have to see what the numbers look like at the... And in, by September, we should have a better idea when the notaries bring out their figures. But the latest, uh, the latest numbers show that, you know, the biggest increase in... Foreign demand in Q1 was American by a long way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm talking from memory, but I think I, I'd be surprised if I got that wrong. And um, so we'll, we'll see what the numbers show when we get the Q2 full half year. But I think it's going to be interesting to see where the foreign demand on 
how it carries on throughout as the year progresses and how mm. it carries on in the different regions and by different nationalities. I think it'd be really, really interesting oh, to yeah. see that. Absolutely, because, you know, there's little micro changes going on, but we don't know until we get the figures, yeah. uh, you know, how, how they've kind of um, reflected. I mean, we, we, go, we go some days where we get a glut of inquiries from a certain nation and you're like, why is that? You know, has the, <laughs> what happens everyone, today? Yeah, is everyone sitting there watching a place in the sun or something? It's like, Whoa. so, you know, things like that happen. And, and sometimes you don't know the reason. It'd be, it'd be nice to see what the patterns are. But, um, yeah. but Mark, thank you so much for your, for your time and efforts today. Much appreciated as always. Likewise. Uh, we will uh, conversation. Yeah, it's always good. We will uh, we will reconvene next month to uh, mm -hmm. talk about. Well, I guess we'll be talking probably if we leave it a little a little later in the month. We'll be yeah. No, we about... have to leave it until at least the twenty fourth of July, so we know right. what's what's happened in the yeah. Although I think we've done politics, and I hope the message we've... is clear. There's very very low, little, very small political risk in Spain, but exactly. it's always worth knowing knowing that you know there's no harm in in uh, in knowledge. Absolutely. Um, but, and and let's see what the next election brings. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mark. You Very have a lovely good. day. You take you care. You too. Take care. Cheers for now. Bye-bye.